0: excited we can be um, ready to face each week because we know what's going to happen we know where we're headed we have a wonderful future in the lord let's pray heavenly father we come before you we thank you lord jesus for um, all that you have already done for us and you have redeemed us lord those of us who've turned to you by faith you've redeemed and saved us lord and we wait expectantly Uh, for you lord jesus we thank you lord not only that um you came and not only that you're coming again not only that you died on the cross to to pay the penalty for our sins but but lord you sent your holy spirit to indwell your believers and we're not left alone and you are still involved you still are um working out all things together for good for those who are called according to your purpose lord uh, so we give you praise, Lord, as we start, we do again just lift up to you, Lord, those who are sick and those who are hurting, Lord, that they would just draw near to you now, Lord, we ask for healing, oh, we also ask Lord, for some of those other things, such as we do need a vet, another vet in our community, Lord, we ask that you would uh, bring the right person, Lord, and Lord, now, as we look to your word that you 'd guide us in, in our study of it in Jesus name. Amen. And so in those those songs really fit well with what we're going to talk about today as we get into the scripture this morning. Um, we're going to be in Colossians 2:16 um, just briefly, okay? We're going to jump all around this morning. And as you turn to Colossians chapter 2 the, to verse 16, You know, last week, there's good things as well as difficult things happening, right? And last week, it was exciting to hear that in in the court system, there's victories and there's defeats that that we'd rather not see, but there's some victories as well. The Texas abortion law was allowed to continue for the time being by the Supreme Court. That's wonderful. And we need to pray that there's a continued uh, move towards life, right? There's no gray area. Right, and if if it's possible for those who argue against um, the pro-life stance, if there's any gray or any doubt that that's not a le- living baby in their womb, even if there's a possibility by those who are against pro-life, if that is there's that slight chance, they're still thinking it's possible that we are killing a human being. And for us, we say you are. (laughs) But praise the Lord for that. That um, praise the Lord that the Supreme Court allowed that law to continue for the time being. We want. We pray for more victories. You know, there's there's also another uh, court case that surprised me. You know, it's been forever. This this takes place all the time, and finally, a man sued the airlines. And he sued the airlines for losing his luggage, right? That happens all the time, but sadly he lost his case. So, you're awake? Good. All right. You're all awake. All right. Um, You know, we as believers in Jesus have won, and we have a great prize. And and, um, we sing about that just temporarily. And, And that prize has a variety of current benefits, but Satan and people would love to defraud or, or steal that, that prize from you and steal that or rob at least those current benefits from you. And the book of Colossians is written for the believers to know who they are and whose they are and therefore the prize they have and the current benefits they have. And, and you know, it's all enough to point us to the reality in Colossians. It points us to the reality of whose we are and who we are, and all that we have, and so we need to be strengthened as we study Colossians, and and as we read through Colossians, as we study through Colossians, we find out that that Jesus is a real deal. We don't need anything else, and He's not the shadow, but He's the real deal. A better way to put it this is that the Word of God points us to the Son of God, who's everything to us, or He should be everything to us. He is our salvation, our inspiration, our everything. And therefore, the believer's prize is simply trusting in their glorious Savior. That's one of the prizes. That's not the whole thing. So maybe this is the wrong way to to put it. But really... One of the greatest benefits is that we can simply trust in Jesus Christ and follow Him, not worried. oh, what do I need to add to this? What do I need to do along with this? But Jesus is the real deal. And so would you look at verse 16 here in Colossians chapter 2, and it says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow Of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Okay? So here I just want to point to Jesus isn't the shadow. He's the real deal. He's the substance. Or that word soma, body, the substance. Okay? And what we need to understand is that the shadow points to what is real. And I hinted to this last week in the brief few minutes I had. But Hebrews 10.1 is another passage that we could go to says for the law since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near so really the old testament the law and everything therein and and What we read here in chapter 2, 16 and 17, the festivals, the Sabbath, the new moon, all these things, they're, they're just a shadow. The things from the Old Testament were just a shadow to point to what was better yet to come, the real thing that was coming, right? Um. This morning I turned on the TV for a little bit and listened to David Jeremiah and talking about, you know, a lot of these things are kind of a shadow of what's going to come in the tribulation. He's talking about future events. This is just the shadow kind of goes before and it gives you an indication of what's to come. And here we have the indication of what was to come. And that which was to come was Jesus Christ. And he's going to come again. Praise the Lord. And what we find here is it's those things don't, you don't need to add to your faith. You don't need to go back to them. You don't need to have them in your life to be able to be saved. You have Jesus. Simply follow Jesus. The Colossians were again, and we've gone over this over and over and over again. You're probably getting sick of it. But they were saying, hey, you need something more than simple faith and belief in Jesus Christ. A true belief in Jesus Christ. Okay, They say, oh, you need more. And that's wrong. Because all these things point towards Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8 5. I already quoted Hebrews 10 1, but Hebrews 8 5 says, Who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he w- was about to erect the tabernacle tabernacle for see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. He says, All these things are a shadow of what's what's in heaven or what's to come and so what we need to understand is when we look at this passage the real point is in these two verses is that feasts don't save festivals don't save the new moon doesn't save the sabbath doesn't save but those were to point towards christ and now i want to go back and look at some of the festivals or the feasts okay okay and so we're going to go from Leviticus chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23, and I'm just going to mention these and, and, and point out how fascinating these are and the reality that they pointed to Jesus Christ. Or they point to something better. And so the seven biblical feasts from Leviticus 23, 4 and on. Okay? and In chapter... 23, 4 to 43, all these point to Jesus Christ. Or we're going to look at how they do the pointing, okay? And so in verse 4 and 5 of Leviticus, we see that it talks about the Passover lamb. And this is the feast of the Passover. What do we find? When Jesus was in Jerusalem, it was during the Passover, the night of the Last Supper, where they were celebrating the Passover, and that's usually in March and April. And the, the prophetic reality of the Passover was redemption. That is a Passover lamb who was to come, right? Up there on the slide, First Corinthians 5 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus came to be that Passover lamb. What happened during the first Passover? Kids, I hope you're learning. All about this in the Old Testament, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were under harsh harsh circumstances, and through through God, Moses and Aaron, God was using Moses and Aaron to try to get Pharaoh to let his people go. Goes through all these terrible. Uh, plagues that took place that god brought about to egypt to say hey wake up pharaoh let my people go and finally he does a passover which was an angel of death who came through the all of egypt now why it's the passover is because they would have the passover lamb they were to take that lamb they were to sacrifice it and put the blood on the mantle the side and the front of their door and they were to go in now families could come and do this together you know maybe like christmas when your cousins come over and you hang out you know but it wasn't christmas all right and they would eat that lamb roasted lamb but the blood was put on the door and the angel passed over They were saved by the sacrifice of that lamb. And we were saved by the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who bore his sins in our sins, (laughs) who bore our sins. Pray for me. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Right? And we enter in by faith. They had to believe. I mean, they could say, oh yeah, I believe, we need to do this, and then they just sat outside. That wasn't really faith, right? So Jesus is our Passover lamb. They had to enter in, and they were saved. The firstborn was saved. And, And so this points to the prophetic reality of their Passover feast that they recognized every year was that there would be redemption, who is Jesus Christ who is our Passover. They were redeemed, they were bought with the price God brought them out of slavery. Okay? And we're brought out of slavery into to freedom in Christ. The second one of Leviticus 23 is verse 6 through 8 or Exodus 23:14 and 15. This is a feast or the festival of unleavened bread. And this was a pilgrimage feast. All males had to appear before God according to Deuteronomy 16.16. 16. And the prophetic, like just like we just mentioned with the Passover lamb, was redemption. This one, sanctification. What happened after the Passover? This was right on the heels of the Passover. They were to flee. They left they left Egypt and they took their bread, but they didn't have time to put leaven in it. It didn't have time to raise, so they ate their flat bread because it was unleavened. And the leaven reminds us, and is compared to in the Old Testament, to sin. Or to be set apart is not to have that leaven. That leaven comes in and it invades the whole bread and it makes it all rise, every part of it. And so we're supposed to keep that leaven out so when they celebrate the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they're recognizing first and foremost what God had done He brought them out, but also that they are to be set apart. Sanctification, holiness, were set apart. They were set apart as God's own people. And we are set apart as God's own people. Amen? And so it speaks to holiness. God has saved us for a purpose. And some passages that we can look at uh, for sanctification, again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, 1 Peter 1.19, you know, if Jesus, He shed His blood for us, okay? It wasn't with the, the things we think are valuable, but something much more precious, His blood. And therefore, we ought to, because of what He has done, live for Him. We've been brought out. And so it speaks to holiness. Another passage would be 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. All right. Next slide, please. In this passage, we see, and, and we already quoted verse 7, but cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, leaven of malice and evil but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us be set aside and set apart by sincerity and truth and following Jesus Christ and not going back to the old ways. And for them for the Jews who became believers it wasn't to go back to the old Jewish law. For us it's not to go back to the old way of life. It's not to be like the rest of the world but set a Apart as unto the Lord as we have been set apart for him. So that is a feast of unleavened bread, the feast in Leviticus 23, 9 through 14 of First Fruits. And in Exodus 16 and Exodus 19, but the feast of first fruits or the festival of first fruits. And and it reminds us as a passage up here we have here is if in Christ we have hope in this life only we are of all people most to be pitied, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And here in 1 Corinthians fifteen, nineteen through twenty points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, him being the first fruits, firstborn from the dead, and therefore we know we have hope. And so the, the prophetic realization of the feast or festival of firstfruits is the resurrection. Jesus arose. It's typically in March and April, so it's at the heels of those first three feasts are on the heels of each other. And then you have the Feast of Weeks, also known as the Day of Pentecost. And for us as Christians, it means something vastly different than it does for the Israelites or Jews. Because we know what happened then for the church. Or the beginning of the church. But it's Leviticus 23, 15-22. This was also a pilgrimage festival. All the males had to appear before God. Deuteronomy 16, 16 again. And this was a festival for them of a new beginning. A new beginning. That's really the prophecy of it is that of a new beginning. And for the nation of Israel... Uh, For the nation of Israel, today they celebrate it as a birthday of of the national Israel, the nation of Israel, and the giving of the law through Moses. Typically around May, and this year it was May 16th through the 18th. But for us, it's fascinating. For the prophecy, it was a new beginning. The birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, grace replaces the law. We recognize it and therefore you have the dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit. The first time the Holy Spirit indwelt the believers permanently. The beginning of the church. Now where it gets fascinating, where I'm really excited is the next festival. The next feast. In Leviticus 23, 23-25, the Feast of Trumpets. The feast of Trumpets. And prophetically you know a feast of trumpets i often think of of the trumpet call right what for the believer in christ 1st Thessalonians 4:13 on chapter 5 we look at also other passages of that trumpet call and the rapture of the church we think of that but here's still really pointing towards israel but this is a time that they celebrate um you know what the Lord had done and what the Lord is doing and so prophetically we could say it's pointing to Israel's regathering. but today it's celebrated as Rosh Hashanah okay and that was last Monday evening last Monday, <laughs> last Monday evening and it commemorates uh, for them not the beginning of the nation, which was what Pentecost right? This is the beginning of of the world, creation. That's when they celebrate creation. And for those who are uh, conservative Jews, for the Jewish people, the, this would be year 5782. Okay? So it's a new year, what well, we would celebrate the new year. And so biblical Judaism believes in a young earth. Isn't that fascinating? It would be year 5,782. Uh, so this was Monday evening at sundown. Sundown, why sundown? Well, when you go back to the creation account, what does it say? Dusk or night, and then morning or daylight was the first day. <laughs> so they started at dusk. So when they celebrate their holidays, and many of us say, oh, well, their favorite holiday is generally uh um Hanukkah right because it's around Christmas time but no it's not it's these festivals these are what they really love to celebrate but going back to it it starts at dusk because in Genesis we find that you know darkness then light first day but this is not a time like we have on the new year when we we're celebrating and everybody's out partying and doing what they want to do in celebration, right? New Year's Eve for them, the new year. It's solemn. It's a solemn time of celebration. And, and so they significantly look at, at Rosh Hashanah uh, in three, there's three days, okay? There's Yom Teruah, that's the first day, the day of shofar blowing. So there's different trumpets, right? And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on some of these. So, and you know, the trumpets we think about are my trumpet or coronet was curled with valves in it so you can make different notes. They had long trumpet, just a long trumpet where that were made out of silver or brass. But they also had the shofar. You know what that is, kids? You know what the shofar is? It's a ram's horn that they would blow through like a trumpet. And so it was the day of shofar blowing and the, you know if you were to, if you are to blow a shofar on the day of shofar blowing, it's a good deed. It's a good deed. And it's a good deed to hear the ram's horn blowing because it reminds them of God's unique covenant with them. And so they would read Genesis 22. What happened in Genesis 22? Anybody remember? We have Abraham. God tells him, go up to Mount. And there, sacrifice your son of the promise. Right? Did he do it? He went up there. He took his son, Isaac, He laid him out on the altar, gets ready to sacrifice him, and who stops him? The Lord does through an angel, and he says, look up, I have provided a ram for you. What's in the thicket? A ram that was provided for him, caught by his horns, and so they look at this, the ram's horn, the shofar, also of the continued promise of God, that God would keep his covenant. There's a lot of parts to this, uh, the festival of trumpets. But they would read that. And there's a lot of other things that they could do. But the shofar was used to gather them together. The next day... Or the next one that they would celebrate would be Yom Hadin, Day of Judgment. So this is when God, according to Jewish tradition, opens books in heaven and judges everyone. He ju- they were judged to be in the book, whether they're in the book of life or the book of judgment, for another year, and yet this is viewed over a long point in time, right? A long point in time. They say it's not just over one year. So you need to be good little boys and girls all the days of your life from year to year, but every year should probably take a reckoning or an accounting of how you did. Because if you don't, you may not find atonement. And now they try to do several different things because they do not have their sacrificial system anymore. This would culminate on the next with the Yom Kippur. Now these are over a couple of weeks, okay? Yom Kippur, Day of Remembrance. It's not for the fallen who have served and died, but it's taken an accounting because of God will take an accounting of their actions. And so it's the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus 23, 26-32, Yom Kippur. Uh, Leviticus 16, 1-34. And so when we look at this prophetically, it points to Israel's spiritual awakening. And we can look at Zechariah 12, 1 through 13, Uh, and, and this year, so we already mentioned this last Monday night, Tuesday, would have been the beginning, the Feast of the Trumpets. This year, the Day of Atonement is September 15th and 16th, okay? It's coming up, that's exciting! Well, what does this point to? Israel's spiritual awakening. The day addressed Israel's national sin. In temple times, it was the the only day the Holy of Holies could be entered and then by the high priest alone. Now today, they focus on individual sin. The harder they are on themselves, the better it is for them because they think they can seek God's forgiveness in this way. So all of this is not a new year, several weeks of celebration in a partying way, but in taking an accounting of oneself, taking a spiritual inventory. Now many Jews will travel to a body of flowing water and will cast leavened bread into the water to symbolize casting their sin far away from themselves. Micah 7.19 says, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. How will they find um, salvation? Only in Jesus Christ. Will Israel ever become who they're supposed to be again? Again? There will be a regathering. There will be a nation. There is a nation today. There will be a nation under their Messiah someday in the millennial reign of Christ. All of this leads them on to uh, another one the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. Sokut. Or however you say it, right? I tried to look it up and try to hear it on Google, you know, you can do that now. You can learn Spanish too on Google. Uh, Come to find out. But in Leviticus 23, 33 to 43, uh, we'll probably end here because there's so much more to talk about, but when you look through all of these events of these festivals and look at, Colossians two sixteen and seventeen, these are a shadow of the things that are to come and And the Feast of Tabernacles, I really want to go over this, um, points to you know not only what had happened when they were walking through the wilderness, living in their tents, tabernacle tent. not only that God brought them into the promised land, but also that Elohim with us, okay. And someday, prophetically it'll be seen in a millennial kingdom for Israel. But we go back to verse uh, chapter two, verse 16 and 17, that "The substance is of Jesus Christ. It's all through Jesus. It all points to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the king. The king is coming. Amen? And we look at these passages, we say, okay, a lot of these point to the reality. I mean, it's fascinating, okay? So when was Jesus When was he killed? Right around Passover. On Passover, he was a Passover lamb. And some of us say, well, some of these things are going to happen on the festival time, pointing to the prophetic uh, fulfillment of what he's going to do. When we sang those songs, what was the song here? Let me open up. The first song we sang here after our prayer requests and all, um, it is well with my soul, right? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Well, why? How has he taught us this? Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed His blood for my soul. Verse 3, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And then verse 4. His return. Our salvation in Jesus Christ. What do we need? We need Jesus Christ. And He should remain center of our lives. You look throughout all those feasts, those festivals. They pointed them to Jesus. And most of them missed Him when He was there. They missed the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus is the real deal. Everything else in this world does not matter if we do not have Jesus. And if we're saying we're believers, then we had better follow him, because if we're chasing all the things in this world, there's going to come a point in time where we're going to say, oh, wow, I really, really messed up. If Jesus isn't the real thing, if we don't understand that what's in here and what Everything that's spoken about Jesus Christ is real. If we don't totally buy into the reality of who Jesus is, we're going to miss a lot of blessings and rewards. And there's going to be people we wished that we had reached out to with the gospel that won't be in heaven. Is Jesus real to you? Are you chasing the shadow of the uh, of something better yet to come? Are you chasing the shadow or are you really believing in the real deal? Are you following Christ is he the center of your life? And it's a struggle. So why am I preaching this? It's a struggle for me. <laughs> it is. Is Jesus first? How much do you love your savior? How much do you believe in His Word? And if you do, this wonderful song, It Is Well With My Soul, we can be excited, we can be happy, even though things seem to be falling apart in different areas of the world or even in our nation. We can be excited because we know what's going to happen. And we can have this this wonderful reality. No matter what's going on, It Is Well With My Soul. And lo, haste the day, When the faith, or my faith, shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so, and better yet, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look forward to that glorious day when we shall be with You We thank You, Lord Jesus, for what You've done. And I pray, Lord, that that You would make it clear to anyone here who has not truly, fully believed in You for the forgiveness of their sins, receiving You into their lives, that they would do so today or very, very soon. Lord, help them to understand time may just be very, very short. Lord, for those of us who profess faith in You, those of us who truly believe, help us to keep our eyes on, on, on the prize, keep our eyes on what's real, You, Lord Jesus, that we would do all that You prompt us, that You guide us to do. Help us to live with excitement, help us to live with an attitude or the real reality that, man, no matter what's going on, it is well with my soul. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord, for what you've done. You're coming again. You hold us in your hand. So, Lord, help us to have this attitude. Help us to live fervently for you. Um, Being witnesses by our actions and good works um, and by what we proclaim. May, uh, May you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.